Amen and amen. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray that we would always remember your promises, Lord. It's the only thing that gives us hope, Lord. So if we're going, whatever we're going through, Lord, at this time, those who are watching online and, and, and those of us here as well, Lord, I pray that we would hold on to your promises because you are faithful and you are good, Lord. And thank you for your word and for this time to gather together in this beautiful place that you have blessed us with. So, so we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. We say amen. 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 Good morning. Welcome. You can be seated. Glad you're here. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online as well. We're so very glad that you are. Uh, we need to, uh, of course, address the situation on the island of Maui. I wanted to thank everyone, particularly online, that reached out to us concerning these unprecedented fires on the island of Maui. Now, of course, we're on the island of Oahu, and as such are unaffected. However, uh, I want to share with you what we're doing as a church, because th these are, this is our ohana. And um, so we're going to focus on and are already focusing on meeting the immediate needs of our Maui ohana, of which there are many. And for those asking about donating, and please, this is very important, um, we would implore you to be very careful because there's a lot of scams out there. And uh, especially if you see anything that has my name or the church name or this ministry on it, it's a scam, it's a fraud, because we never ask for money. We never do that. So please be very careful what we will do, are doing, and have already done, is have Honolulu Freight pick up pallets of food and supplies that we already actually had here at the church at the ready for such a time as this. Uh, this is uh, Brother David loading one of the many pallets that we uh, had over here on the uh, uh, church property. This was Friday morning. They were delivered to our contacts at Hawaii Stevedores yesterday. This would have been Saturday at Pier 1. Uh, Mike Lau, who's a dear friend and brother, uh, many of you uh, know him, especially after he shared his testimony with his son Micah a few months back. Uh, Mike is still with Hawaii Stevedores as a working foreman and has kept Pastor Leitu apprised of the efforts to meet the immediate need of getting containers shipped from Honolulu to Maui as soon as possible. Uh, also a brother in Christ who's the Matson supervisor is working with us as well as the shipping companies like Pesha and uh, Matson to make this happen as soon as possible, in Jesus' name, by the way. Uh, Mike Lau also informed us that the pallets we sent them to ship 
along with the other items that were donated, will actually ship out on Wednesday morning. And they're going to go on the Jean Ann. It's a Pesha vessel. Uh, then on the other side, a Pesha supervisor on Maui is going to then truck the containers to the Maui War Memorial Gymnasium, where many who have lost everything, I mean, it's just really unimaginable. Uh, and they're being uh, housed there, they're being taken care of there. And um, the uh, War Memorial is in Wailuku, which is further away from Lahaina, but many affected by the fires are staying there. And this is one of many locations uh, that people are being uh, housed and taken care of. And we're going to get, by the grace of God, uh, Lord willing, those supplies there uh, as soon as possible. You know, I, I was sharing with uh, First Service, I've been thinking a lot about this, as I'm sure you have as well. Uh, aren't you just so grateful to the Lord for prayer at times like this? That, I mean, it just, we, we say it, you know, what do people do that don't know the Lord? So we're just so grateful to the Lord and our trust in the Lord, who as only He can and will, can use something as horrific as this, which was really intended for evil, to mean it for good and for the salvation of many this day. And that's how I want us to pray. And if you would join with me, I'd like for us at this time to, to pray. Father in heaven, we have uh, heavy hearts. And for our brothers and sisters on the island of Maui, many of whom have lost everything, literally, many of whom have lost loved ones. And of course, the uh, death toll continues to climb. And Lord, these are not just numbers. These are people. These are brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and uncles and aunties and sons and daughters and souls. Lord, we just want to petition your throne on their behalf even now as we're praying there on Maui, particularly in Lahaina, the hardest hit, that you miraculously in the realm of the supernatural would get to the people who are maybe injured and need treatment, that you would get supplies to them quickly, water, just drinking water, bottled water, food, basic supplies, God, that you would get them there and to the people who need them the most. And Lord, we want to pray also very specifically for the Holy Spirit, who's the comforter, to comfort during a time like this. Lord, just the comfort of the Holy Spirit, that peace to that supernatural peace and 
the midst of such unspeakable devastation and horror, just utter horror. Lord, show yourself faithful, as you always do. Lord, use this. For those who don't know you, use this to bring them to you. And Lord, strengthen those that are on the front lines, the, the workers that have sacrificed and are just the heroic and the efforts that are being made to help people, God. We're actually going to be talking about that today in First John. No coincidence. Lord, I just pray that your love, Jesus, will be shown to many. So much so that it's unmistakably you, so that you alone get all of the glory. Because it's at times like this, Jesus, that we realize you, Jesus, are all we need, when you, Jesus, are all we have. And you, Jesus, are all we have. So will you do that, Jesus, for us, please? For these precious people on Maui, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please pray as God puts it on your heart. I know you will. This is a praying church for which I am so grateful. All right, First John, I still have a sermon to preach, so let's, uh, let's do this. Uh, our text is chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. I'll ask you to stand. You can follow along as I read, if you're able. If not, where you're seated is fine. Just follow along. The Apostle John continues on in verse 16, by the Holy Spirit, and writes, this is how we know what love is. I guess they didn't have to write that song after all. I want to know what love is. This is how you know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone, verse 17, has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, verse 18, let, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Let's pray. If you would, please again join with me. We'll ask God's blessing on our understanding. Lord, thank you for your word, this portion that we have here before us in your word. There's a lot here just in these three verses that you want to speak into our lives through. And there's some things here you want to show us. There's things in these verses that you want to speak to us. And Lord, we want when you do, we want it to be met with ears that hear, that are willing to hear, not dull ears that won't hear, 
We want it to be met with hearts that will receive, take heed. We want to have eyes to see. But unless the Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive, then our time together today in your word will be a waste of time. And I don't think there's anyone here that wants that to happen. That's why we're here, Lord, is because we want to hear what it is that you want to speak to us, your church, what the Spirit has to say to the church today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So what I want to talk with you about today is how it is that we can know what love is. The Apostle John is continuing with what I'm going to affectionately refer to, if you don't mind, as this How We Can Know series. This is basically what he's been talking about, writing about, is this is how we can know. How we can know who is a child of God or a child of the devil. How we can know what love is, and maybe even better said, what love is not. I think about the Apostle Paul. I can't help but think about the Apostle Paul and James with him, as we'll talk about shortly. But the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Corinthian church, oh, come on, we know this chapter well. It's the number one requested chapter that I get as a pastor to read at a wedding that I officiate. The love chapter. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Where Paul writes, love is, love is, oh, you're just all gushy and mushy. And but did you know the why behind the what of the love chapter? Because basically Paul is writing to the Corinthians saying, this is what love is. Because apparently you don't know what love is. Apparently you think that you know what love is, but that's not love. See, the Corinthian church thought that they were so loving and accepting and I mean, they, they had somebody in the church that they were welcoming and accepting and tolerating, because after all, we're a loving church. But the problem is this individual was, I'm sorry, having sex with his stepmom. And here's the Corinthians going, look how loving we are. Look how accepting we are. Oh, we don't judge anybody. And so here's Paul. Big mistake, by the way, Corinth. <laughs> here's the Apostle Paul. You think that's love? You think that's what love is? That's not what love is. And I mean, he goes off on them. It, it's painful to read 
Can you imagine being present there at Calvary Chapel, Corinth? <laughs> I mean, he lays into them. He's like, get that guy out. You think you're loving him? If you really loved him, you'll kick him out of the church and hand him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Whoa. Well, that's not very loving. No, actually, that is love. If you really care about the guy and you really love him, you'll love him enough to correct him. Hand him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. This is unacceptable. And you're, you're allowing it under the banner of love. That's not what love is. This is what love is. So I'm going to take you to a wedding ceremony. No, I'm not. <laughs> you know the chapter well. Love is patient, love is kind, love is this. And I, I have a really hard time reading that chapter because many years ago, you probably had the same thing happen to you, so you might understand. But I heard a teacher one time say, try to put your name in 1 Corinthians 13, see how far you get. I didn't get to the first verse. <laughs> love, love is patient. JD is patient. <laughs> love, love is kind. <laughs> this gets this, it gets worse. I, I didn't make it very far. You know uh, what love is? Uh, God is love. Every single one of those characteristics of what love is, is a description, a personification really of the person of Jesus Christ. Well then why write a chapter about what love is if it's not attainable? No, that's just the thing. It is attainable by way of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love. When Jesus left, He said to His disciples, I'm no longer going to be with you, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to live in you. And by the way, that's even better. Because you have God the Son, but you're not going to have me much longer. So what I'm going to do when I leave is I'm going to send God the Holy Spirit, not to just be with you, but to live in you. And to live the holy life in and through you instead of you. Holy life, Holy Spirit from the inside out. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a holy life. And what comes with that holy life is love. You can only have this kind of love that John's going to talk to us about, the kind of love that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians about, if you have the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, indwelling you. That's the only way. That's the source of the love. That's where the love comes from. You can't manufacture it. You can't fake it. It has to be real and authentic and genuine, and it comes by way of the Holy Spirit. So now what, what's John going to do? Well, he's 
going to kind of provide us with this, how we can know template or grid or test. You can choose whichever one you want. I just ran out of, you know, synonyms. So if you got another one, use that one. But three more. This is how you can know. This presupposes, by the way, that you know that you can know. Let me try that again. (laughs) This is how we can know. And I know I mentioned this last week, and I can't wait, because this is going to be very important when we get to this part, when John says, you can know that you have eternal life. The jury's not out. The verdict is in. There's no question mark. You can know that you have eternal life. You would think that would be a firm grasp of the obvious, right? But do you realize that under the banner of Christendom, there are certain church denominations that teach that, not so fast. Uh, It depends. So in other words, when Jesus said, it is finished, there, there should have been a comma there. It is finished if, however, but, no, it is finished. You can know that you have eternal life. It's done. It's finished. So you can know. Well, what can I know? Well, now we're going to turn this corner and we're going to know how we can know what love is. I want to know what love is. I couldn't help it. I won't do that again. I just, when I was preparing this teaching, you got to know, isn't that interesting? So, okay, you younger people, just bear with us for just a moment. Isn't it amazing that you can still remember the words to those songs like from 180 years ago? And it doesn't take much. And then it's even worse when it sticks in your mind and you can't get that song out of your mind. Did I just do that to you? I'm sorry. By the way, here's what I do when that happens. I think of another worship song to replace it. Oh no, it works. I I hope it works for you. I know it works for me because, of course, just because it works for me doesn't mean it's going to, in fact, it probably won't work for you if it works for me. But just replacing that song. I remember when Paul said, speak to each other in songs and spiritual hymns. You know, when you speak to one another. So I totally violated that, and I'm very sorry about that. And I I would ask for your forgiveness. And that song is still stuck in my mind. But this is how we can know what love is. You want to know what love is? John's going to tell you how you can know what love is. Verse 16. I can know what love is by how willing I am to lay down my life. Uh, No greater love hath any man. (laughs) Jesus said then he would lay down his life for another. 
That's, that, that's the bar, if I can say it like that. That's the, the litmus test, the gauge by which you can know how much you love somebody. You love somebody so much that you're willing to lay down your life for them. No greater love can one have than that. Now I was okay at the beginning of verse 16 when John says, you can know what love is. This is how you can know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. I was good right up to that point. But John didn't stop there. He had to go there. Where? Well, he said, and if you really want to know what love is, love is you also laying down your life for another. I'm a very unloving man. <laughs> Listen, I love you, right? No, I, I do. I love you. Why are you looking at me like that? But I don't know if I love you so much that I would lay down my life for you. Oh, come on. Well, oh, you love me like that. You lay down your life for me like that. This is where the bar is. You want to know what love is. That's where the bar is. That's where the measure is. That's where the gauge is. You want to know what love is? That's what love is. That's what love looks like. The willingness to lay down your life for another. Now this doesn't necessarily mean that you go to your death for somebody. Aren't you glad you don't have to die for somebody? Because Jesus already did. He already did it. So you don't have to. But there's a laying down of your life in the sense of dying to yourself, humbling yourself, laying down your rights to yourself for another. Oh, that's, that's something we need to talk about especially in the marriage relationship. When you lay down your life, <laughs> I brought it up last week. Uh, I, I guess I'll bring it up again this week. But when in Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul's talking to husbands and says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. He's basically echoing what the Apostle John is saying here, husbands, love your wife by laying down your life for them the way Jesus laid down His life for you, for us, as His bride. That means maybe, what does that look like? Well, I'm a poor example, because I don't do any of these things, but Maybe you need to lay down those golf clubs for your wife. I'll try something else. The fishing pole, is that better? Can I just say this real quick to you husbands, wives, don't elbow them or look at them. 
and not after church either, okay? I'm just talking to husbands right now, and just I, I, I speak from experience, okay? I'm learning this the hard way. I have the scars to prove it. Your, <laughs> your wife has to know that she's the most important person in your life next to Jesus Christ. If she is not loved in that way, then she's insecure in her relationship with you. If she's competing with your hobbies, your sports, your what season is it right now? You can, is this, it's not football. What, baseball? <laughs> they still have baseball? Man, I need to get out more. Sure. Very poor illustration. I'm really doing good on poor illustrations today. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. I, I should stop filling in the blank for you. Whatever it is. If, if that thing or well, maybe I can use uh, a personal example. The ministry for pastors can come in between the husband and the wife. And I have to confess, that's as a workaholic, that's something I have to be really careful with and guard against. But it in the marriage relationship certainly applies, but how about in our relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ? When I love somebody, I'm, I'm willing to, you know what, I'll, I'll make the sacrifice. I'll, I'll lay down my life. I'll die to myself. I really don't, I, I don't want to go shopping in that store. <laughs> There's another store right next door. I, when you're done, just text me and I'll come over. I don't, I don't want to do that. Well, why don't you lay down your life? And, and, and aren't we supposed to think more highly of others than we ought ourselves? The problem is we think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Well, that's what love is. You're willing to lay down your life for another. Well, this brings us to the second one in verse 17. It's my willingness to provide needs for others. I, I think John's getting real here. <laughs> this is the proverbial rubber meeting the road when it comes to providing the needs of others. Don't you find it interesting? I, I don't know if you do this. Um, I do this. I kind of have to because I'm, I'm teaching the Bible as a Bible teacher and pastor. But I, I, I look at how what's written is written. You know, it's kind of like, it's not so much what you say, it's how you say what you say. And such is the case with verse 17. Don't you find it interesting that John is inspired by the Holy Spirit to actually couch this in the form of a question? And 
there's a reason for it. And, and actually, Jesus in the Gospels did this repeatedly for good reason. See, when you ask a question, you're actually, if you can imagine, you're making people have to think. People don't like to have to think. Because when you ask an even an open-ended question, oh no, just don't ask me such complicated questions. Can we get multiple choice there? How about a yes or no question? I got a 50-50 chance of getting it right. No, but when you ask an open-ended question, now I've got to process that. I got to think about that. Now you're making me think. You know what? <laughs> Amusement, muse, is to think, to muse over. I've been musing over this. It's not, I know it's not in our vocabulary you know, nowadays, because our vocabulary is just like, you know, like, yeah, like, you know. <laughs> Somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I've been musing over, what? Are you, what's, what's that? Yeah, are you sick? No, musing means thinking and, and uh, contemplating and pondering. Do you know what amusement is? You shut it off. It's, it's in neutral. To muse is to put it in drive. To amuse is to put it in neutral. And that's what happens when you binge on Netflix series. Don't look at me like that. I'm not trying to come down hard on anybody. I'm just as guilty as the next guy. Although I will say it's been a while since I, because I'm so spiritual I am. And, <laughs> but basically when you're watching and, and being amused, you're not thinking, because they're doing the thinking for you. That's why it's called amusement. You're being amused. You're not musing. <laughs> <laughs> you're not musing over anything. You're not thinking about anything. You're in neutral. You shut the brain down, that part of the brain that is used to think and process and assimilate and contemplate. It's basically neutralized. And now you're being told what to think. That's what amusement is. Did I just ruin your whole afternoon? Well, I did it in Jesus' name then. So he, he's posing a question here. And to pose a question in this context, I mean it drives it home. So interesting. He could have just said, there's no love if you see your brother or sister in need and you don't do anything about it. But he doesn't. Rather, he says instead, in the form of a question, to make us think about it. You see your brother and sister in need, and you don't do anything about it. How, here's the question. Think, think about it. How can the love of God be in you? Um... 
Well, I wish you wouldn't ask the question. See, if you just make a statement, I can kind of slip around that. You know, yeah, in fact, I'll even join you. Well, this unloving, you see your brother and sister in need and you don't do anything about it. That's not very loving. Yeah, that's not very loving at all. But when it's posing a question to you, how can the love of God be in you when you see your brother and sister in the whole time? Now I got to Now I got to deal with it. You want to know what love is? Love sees the need and says, you know what? I love you enough to do something about it. I'm going to meet that need that you have. I'm not just going to have pity on you or say, hey, I'll pray for you. This is what James says. <laughs> It's chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. We need to get this over with, okay? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Just basic needs. <laughs> Notice the question form again. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, question, what good is it? Um, before we go any further, this happens all the time. And I'll include myself in this and explain this. We show up at church. Of course, in traffic, we didn't have the same face that we showed up in the parking lot with when we pulled in. Something about that gate, I don't know when we installed it, just has this powerful effect where, I mean, on the highway, you're back there slapping the kids, telling them, you pull in the, the gate. I don't know, man, what kind of gate that is, but the whole transformation changes, takes place. Praise the Lord. Your kids are looking at you going, really, Dad, really? Where was the dad that was on the highway just about five minutes earlier? <laughs> so we come into church with our Christian face, our Christian smile, our Christian facade. And somebody comes to us and says, how you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm blessed. How are you doing? And then they say, uh, not so good. And you're like, uh-oh. I wasn't expecting you to say that. I was hoping you'd say, yeah, praise the Lord. And then, hey, we'll do lunch. Yeah, praise the Lord. Bye. And then off you go. Is this, am I being too real here? No. What if uh, you say, hey, how you doing? Well, actually, you got a minute. You're like, <laughs> you know what that means. It's not really, do you got a minute? Do you got like three hours is what that means. 
And if that precious brother or sister dares to share <laughs> what's really going on in their lives, and, and you're willing to listen to them, and they share with you about how they're not really sure if they're going to be able to pay the bills this month, put food in the fridge, make this month's rent. I mean, I'm actually really struggling. And then we just go, hey, let me, hey, let me pray for you. You can pray for me. Uh, I'm hungry. I need a, I need, can you go 7-Eleven for me? You wanted to know what love is. You wrote a song about it, remember? Well, that's what love is. That's how you can know what love is. So that brother or sister that just got done pouring their heart out to you, sharing their raw and real needs with you, and you say to them, hey, man, I'll be praying for you. That's, that's, that's rough, man. Really sorry to hear that. Oh, would you look at the time? Oh, and then you're looking for somebody else. Hey! Why did I go into all of that? Because this is what I do. But I went into all of that because of what I like to refer to as the disconnect. You know what I mean by the disconnect? There's a disconnect from Scripture because we don't apply it, we dismiss it instead. And there's a disenfranchising of ourselves from the Scripture where we're being corrected. And we just go past it because we don't apply it. Oh, we hear it, but we don't heed it. When was the last time somebody shared with you a need, and you met that need. That's what love is. That's how you can know what love is. Well, this really ties in with the last one, and I just want to get to the last one, because I'm very convicted by the first two. And this is a biggie, isn't it? You see it there on the screen. I mean, for pastors, it's practice what you preach. I get that a lot. <laughs> I probably deserve to get that a lot. But for the Christian, which I am a Christian first, and then a pastor. My walk is going to match my talk. I'm going to walk the talk. Uh, I'm going to be a Christian walkie-talkie, not a walkie-walkie. 
I know that's dorky. You'll never forget that illustration, I promise you. No, there, there cannot be a disparity between my words and my actions. I mean, I can, I can say all day, I love you. But if my actions don't match my words, then it's meaningless. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most powerful ways to show our love for others, this would be it at least at the top of the list, if not at the top of the list. What do you mean? Well, when our talk of love matches our walk in love, then we're not just showing love with words, but matching it with actions in truth. And I, and I like that the Holy Spirit inspired John to record and write that detail, because that word truth to me speaks to being the real deal. Oh, you're the real deal. I mean, I've heard a lot of people, you know, they talk a big talk. Well, they don't back it up. Would to God that we would love in this way. And again, it comes by way of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, which is how we know what love is. And we can know what love is. L let's put feet to our faith. Let's put actions to our words. Let's walk in truth. Let's be real. Stop with the fake like you care. Let's, let's be real. You know, it's, uh, I'm speaking to myself too. Well, I have to because I'm the pastor. I have to be perfect, right? Oh, come on. I have to have the perfect marriage, have perfect kids. I have to be perfect in righteousness, because I'm the pastor. So, I mean, I got to walk the talk, and I got to be a walkie-talkie. I got to match the, I got to practice what I, what I preach, or I'm, I'm a, I'm a fraud. Right? Oh yeah, you're really too quick to agree. I was hoping you would muse a little bit longer over that one. It's your turn next, so don't, you better be careful. I'm starting with me because this applies to me. Let's be real with each other. Let's stop with the, uh, the plastic Christianity, cotton candy Christianity. You know what's sad? 
What's sad is, is that I know that many here in this precious church that I'm so privileged to pastor are bringing to church with them, I mean, struggles and pain and suffering and anguish and sorrow and grief and weariness. And I mean, that list can go on and on. But they don't dare talk about it. Why not? Well, I'll tell you why. They don't feel safe. They'll feel judged. Where's your faith? Or it's going to be met with indifference. Or nobody's going to be real and share what their needs are, because first of all, who's going to give them the time anyway? And then even presupposing that somebody is going to care enough to give them the time to share, what's the response going to be? What can I do to help you? How can I bless you? That's what a healthy body is. We're a body of believers. We're different parts of the same body. You know, when, when and I have such a low tolerance for pain, I've confessed this. My wife has an amazing tolerance to pain. I, it's scary. It's scary. It's actually not fair is what it is. But I mean, I get a hangnail. I, I, I'm, I'm praying in my prayer language. Oh, Lord, it's like, you know, this is so painful. I got a hangnail, a paper cut. Ooh. But here you are, you're, you're in pain, and you can't share that with anybody, because they're not going to be a paramedic, they're going to be a police. The paramedic treats the injured that are hurting, bleeding, in pain. The police just, I mean, no disrespect to the police. I've been corrected on this, by the way. You know, the police, when they arrive on the scene of an accident, I mean, yeah, they're there to determine who broke the law. But if there's immediate needs, they tend to those needs. But when the paramedics show up, they're not concerned about who ran the red light and broke the law. They're there to, hey, that person's bleeding. That person's injured. I need to help that person that's hurting, that's in pain. I think we have way too many police in the body of Christ and not near enough paramedics in the body of Christ today. Oh, you know, we're always quick to, and again, I'm speaking to myself, so don't think I'm trying to be all spiritual and pious. I'm not Lord, like the Lord's going to let me get away with that anyway. You know, we're so quick with the, with the scriptures or we quote the scriptures. What are, what are we doing? 
That's not to say there's not a word fitly spoken. Maybe God has put a scripture on your heart to share with that brother and sister that's in pain. But what if God wants to, to go to another level? Oh, that means I got to take time out of my day. You mean I actually got to do something to help? I'm going to miss the game. It's just words. Paul takes it further, says in, in the love chapter. I mean, it's, it's, just, you're, it's just noise, clanging cymbals. It's just loud, obnoxious, fingernails on a chalkboard noise, if there's no love. You can speak with the tongue of angels. The, the words roll off your tongue like hot butter and smooth honey, and the eloquence. And if there's no love, it's just words. Amen. It's been said rightfully and aptly that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Why don't you do something? I mean, I can show love with words, certainly. Well, let's put it to action. Let's, let's, let's act on it. That's real. That's tangible when you're willing to do something. That's when the, the walk matches your big talk, and your talk is big talk. I pray it's not just talk. You know what I think the, one of the main reasons why people that you might invite to come to church will, will not come to church is because of this. You know how it goes, right? Ah, I'm not going to church. Church full of hypocrites. They're right. By the way, I have a really good answer. You can use it free of charge. Say, I know. It usually blows them away. Say, ah, the church is full of hypocrites. I usually say, you're absolutely right, and we can use one more. So come on, let's go. What's a hypocrite? You know, it comes from the Greek word that they use for play acting. The uh, theater uh, icon is the actor's mask. So the mask got a smile, but underneath that mask is a frown. Hypocritus. It's a hypocrite. You're acting. You're putting on an act. Because it's not real. It's just an act. Oh, you got your lines down. You got your lines memorized. You know what to say, when to say it, way to say it, who to say it to. You got it down. You're already ready when you come into the church. You're already ready. 
You know what to say. This is talk. Didn't Jesus say, question, I'm posing a question, making you think. Didn't Jesus say that the way they would know that you and I are His disciples is by our love one for another. Talk about a How We Can Know series. How, how can I know that you're a JD, which stands for G Jesus Disciple? i got to live up to my name. I should have thought that through before I, I should have mused a little bit longer before I chose those initials. <laughs> because if you want to be a disciple of mine, Jesus said, you got to pick up your cross, die to yourself and follow me. And by the way, uh, you can call yourself a Jesus disciple, a JD, a disciple of Jesus, all you want. But they're going to know. <laughs> And the world is watching. We talked about this in the prophecy update. I'll tell you what, I'll close with this just to give you some hope here. Because I think I beat us up pretty good today, didn't I? That's okay. You guys have roast preacher for dinner on Sunday night, so. Paul says we're living epistles. We're letters, living letters. People are reading the letters of our Christian lives. What kind of letter are they reading when they read the letter of your Christian life? They're watching you. The world's watching you. They're, they're watching how you act. They're watching what you post on social media. That alone should make you muse <laughs> and pause and think and stop and consider. And did you know that they're asking two questions as they read the letter of your Christian life? Do you want to know what those two questions are? They're very good questions and they're very honest questions that they're asking about you and your Christianity. Question number one, is it real? Are you the real deal? And question two, does it work? Is it real? Does it work? And here's the thing, they want you to be the real deal and they want it to work. Because if you're the real deal and it works, then there's hope for them. I know there's all kinds of songs again, I'm not going to do that to you, but it was said of the early church, my how they love one another. Man, these people really love each other. I mean, just look how they treat each other. You know, in 1 Corinthians 11, before the love chapter in 13, do you know how strong that chapter is? How serious that chapter is? They were so mistreating each other, not discerning the body of Christ, that God was trying to get their attention by having some of them 
first get very sick. And when that didn't work, he would take them home earlier because of how they were treating, not discerning the body of Christ, the way they were treating their brothers and sisters in Christ. It goes both ways. That's pretty serious. At their love feasts, the, 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 the suppers they had when they would all eat together, which was a whole cultural thing. We miss that in our day. Thankfully, the, the local culture has preserved it in some way. It's a very bonding experience. But how we treat each other, our walk matching our talk, rises to the level of such seriousness in the eyes of God, and not just the eyes of God, but in the eyes of the world, which is why it rises to the level of such seriousness in the eyes of God. Because God wants to win the world, and we're His representatives to the world as a witness to the world. I think we're bad advertisement for Jesus. And no wonder, you almost can't fault them. They're looking at you and how you treat other people. And they're like, are you kidding me? I get treated better by non-Christians than you Christians treat each other. You guys talk stink about each other, gossip about each other, slander each other. You want me to go to that church? I don't have to go to a church for that. I just go to work for that, or go home, if, if that's my home life for that. The church is supposed to be a sanctuary, a safe place. It's been likened to a hospital for sinners, not a showroom for saints, all putting on their best face and their best behavior. and. No, we're, we're all sinners, saved by grace. And we always try to shed ourselves in this favorable light and talk this talk. But the Lord knows our heart. And would to God that we would have love one for another, that we would love each other so deeply that it would be said of us, my, how they love one another. Those guys are crazy, man. The way they treat each other. It's unbelievable. I want to be that. And I think in large measure, this church is that. And I do want to thank you. I'm not talking about, I mean, this is, I tell people all the time, if I wasn't the pastor of this church, this is where I would go to church. I said I would close. So I'm going to close. Capone, come on up and stand up. <sighs> Got to walk the talk, remember? Lord, thank you. I think about what Paul wrote to Timothy, and I thank you, Lord, that you inspired him too, because all Scripture is breathed by you and has a purpose. And sometimes that purpose is for a rebuke or correction in love to speak the truth 
in love. And Lord, I pray that we will not leave this place today with anything but that truth in love concerning how we can know what love is. We want to be loving. We want to be a loving church, Lord. Loving husbands and fathers. Loving brothers and sisters. We're never more like you than when we love like that. So thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.